got a Beyond Burger with vegan cheese, and they didn't have a gluten-free bun. So then I got it in a lettuce wrap, which is gross because lettuce is not meant on a burger. But and then I got some fries, and that was it, right? How much do you think that would be? A Beyond Burger. Vegan cheese in a lettuce wrap with a side of fries. Um, In Raleigh? Yeah. I'm going to say like $12. $23. Oh my, that's a New York price. Jesus. I know. It was at Morgan Street Food Hall. I feel like they really have no care in the world there. No care for in what what way? Like capitalism. They're like, well, you're already here. We're going to charge you $45. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely, those places, they just know that they can... They do. Hook you, you know? Like, you show up. They know you want to try stuff. You're hungry. You're Mm -hmm. overwhelmed. There are far too many choices for any one human being to decide on. And then you're finally like, oh, God, okay, I guess burger. I guess it's fine. And then you get up there, and they're like, that'll be $23, but you've already ordered. So then you're like, well, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah. The other thing with places like that, too, as much as I love them, for somebody like me who likes small things from, you know, like it's perfect but the problem that you run into is that you think you're going to get just like one entree from somewhere and then maybe like a side from somewhere else but it turns out you pay entree prices for everything i know there's a new place that's just french fries and i was like that sounds great like i'll just get some french fries it was 14 dollars for french fries i'm like how is that possible yeah i'm telling you that's that's the catch That's the catch. It all comes back to this. Hi, I'm Lexi. And I'm Lane. And this is My Therapist Told Me. The podcast where we unpack our lives and encourage you to do the same. Lane, I'd like to apologize for laughing at your glasses. I will forgive you in the moment, but I will be taking it to my grave. (laughs) The first time I put on my glasses and I feel humiliated. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? I'm I'm excited. I think I don't know which one is more on brand for us. Hmm. I don't know. They're both they're both hard. <laughs> they're both not great. You go first. You go first. We'll finish strong okay. with me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Age before beauty. <laughs> but you're older than me. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Beauty before age. You're more beautiful than me. Aw, that's very sweet. And this is actually the perfect segue because I just want to ask you straight up. Do you think we're codependent? <laughs> <laughs> By the official definition? No. Yes, right. Okay, okay. Well, could I live my life without you? Also, no. <laughs> so, maybe. I'm, I'm sticking with a maybe here. 
Okay, yeah. I think that by the technical definition, we don't have any self-destructive behaviors that we're enabling for each other. Yeah, I think that's the key. Yeah, because we take care of each other. And I think we do a good job of calling each other's self-destructive behaviors out. So in that sense, I think we're okay. But if somebody were to ask, you know, like how much of my self-worth is tied to your opinion of me, I'd probably grossly underestimate it. And so in that sense, I think we are codependent. But, hmm, is that a bad No, 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 no. I just like having multiple avenues of affirmation, if I'm being honest. Okay, okay. Um, so, codependency is actually a sociological theory that analyzes imbalanced relationships where one person is typically enabling another person's self-destructive behaviors. So, talking things like addiction, where one person is enabling the other person in some regard. And the term itself actually comes from Alcoholics Anonymous. What? That's a fun fact. Yeah, because the network around the people suffering from addiction were analyzed in a way that they were enabling those behaviors, like trying to overhelp the person when the person didn't necessarily want to be helped. And so there just became that dependency on one another where one person was continuing their destructive behaviors and the other person was kind of enabling by like pushing them uh, in ways that they didn't necessarily want to be. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, and in most cases, though, codependency isn't too toxic or extreme. It's typically present when maybe one or both people in a relationship are over-reliant on the other for their mental well-being or their happiness. So we're going to be looking at two different perspectives here, both the perspective of the person who is codependent and the person who's on the other side of that relationship. Mm. Okay. So to start, for the person who is on the other side of the relationship, who has someone who is codependent, it typically looks like walking on eggshells. You know, you never want to upset that person because you know that their self-esteem is reliant upon your opinion of them. So again, like walking on eggshells and being very timid around them and being very cautious and careful about what you say and do. You might be constantly apologizing even though you feel like you've done nothing wrong uh, because you feel like you might need to. Uh, you feel like you might need to ask permission for things that feel routine or that are normal, but you still always seek out that they're okay with you doing that. This will lead to very unhealthy, one-sided relationship patterns because most of the time you're going to fall into the sense that the person is ungrateful for you or you might even become resentful because you have to do all of these things constantly and cater all of your energy towards their needs. The resent piece I feel like is really important. I feel like that is one I could see I could see myself feeling that way if I had to act in a relationship in this way. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, when I was looking into this. 
One of the biggest things was that you felt the other person who was codependent was doing these things to you. So it was, you know, very direct. Like you feel that they were attacking you in some way, which means that as the person on the other side of this, that resentment is just going to build and it's going to bubble up. And at some point it's going to boil over. Yeah, for sure. For the person who is codependent on someone else, oftentimes this is going to look like constantly seeking affirmation, always wanting to be around the person and being unable to imagine what your life would look like without them in an unhealthy sense. It's one thing to love someone so much that you you know always want to be in their lives and you can't imagine life without them, right? Yeah. It's another thing to feel as if your life would crumble and self, right. you know, that you would self-destruct if that person weren't to be in your life. Right. So, uh, again, constantly seeking affirmation, being hypercritical of the person that you're codependent on, being, you know, maybe overly sensitive to some of the things that they might do, uh, especially when they're not perceiving it as anything, just a typical behavior, but rather, you know, you're seeing it as a personal attack of some sort. So those are the two different lenses between people, you know, who are codependent and the people who are on the other side of that relationship. What thoughts do you have? Do people know they're codependent, do you think? I don't necessarily know if you can always recognize the behaviors because... Not to to dive in into what the the theories that I read around it, but a lot of it, a lot of this kind of is similar to attachment styles almost. Right. With the, you know, like anxious attachment style, like typically codependency shows up. Also, people who are codependent, uh, there's sometimes an overlap with like borderline personality disorder or obsessive mm-hmm. compulsive disorder. So there are, you know, multiple factors going on. And a lot yeah. of it is rooted in in childhood trauma, like being overly anxious about receiving love and affirmation. Um, And so you drive these behaviors without necessarily realizing it unless you take the time to reflect. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're so right. Like some of these things I think show up independently in some of the relationships that I've had. Like when you were saying the last one in particular like thinking that you wouldn't be able to like survive a breakup with them or like you're not sure what you would look like on your own I feel like that was something really hard for me in my last long-term relationship I was like oh my gosh it would like so impossible to like heal from this I don't know how I could possibly do it and then it ended and I was okay and that like helped prove that to me but I just I'm like, wow, I I feel like I've experienced some of these things independently, maybe not one on top of the other, but I wonder what level of awareness it requires to like determine that for yourself if you are codependent or not. I don't know if any of that made sense. No, it it absolutely made sense. If I'm being honest, I think that it requires an extremely high level of Mm self-awareness to realize that it is happening. And unless you sit down and you're dedicated to unpacking it all with yourself, I don't yeah. know if you'll ever notice it. Yeah. So the 
reason that I decided to tackle this is because I did struggle with codependency for, for some time. I don't necessarily know that it was super toxic. It didn't, it didn't add too many unhealthy patterns in my relationship with Andrew, thankfully. Yeah. And that's why we made it through the times that we did. But there were definitely some moments that I couldn't have ever imagined my life without him and that I thought that I would crumble and that everything would fall apart. And so in those moments when we had a little tiff or, you know, something happened and I was upset or he was upset, I would just instantly shut down. I would be, you know, completely devastated and I don't know, almost just just feel like my entire world was going to crumble. So as I described what codependency is and what it looks like, I started thinking about if it was manifesting in my life and what that meant for my relationship with Andrew. Mm, that's such a hard realization. Did you bring that up with your therapist that you thought that you may be codependent? Oh, you know I did. It was one of the first topics that I you know, really wanted to dive into. And mainly because I knew that it could affect the relationship that I had with Andrew. So I wanted to be sure that I was working on myself again to to love myself in its entirety. And so that way I could be able to love Andrew fully as well. And with that, I talked to my therapist about uh, a few different things that helped me in at least toning down some of those behaviors, if not ridding of them entirely. Tell us. <laughs> The first was to be your own biggest fan. Mm. This was something that we talked about in the sense that, you know, reminding yourself of the things that are great about you. You know, we've talked about it multiple times, like, oh, think about yourself as a whole person, especially as it relates to our health and our bodies and stuff like that. But when it comes to relationships, it's important to remember that you are an independent person and they are an independent person. And you're choosing to join your lives mm -hmm. together. And yeah. so you have that Venn diagram, right, where you meet in the middle. But there are still parts of you that should remain separate. And so when you're your own biggest fan, what I mean is, is that you can remember who you are at your core and celebrate those things that make you who you are. I love that. The next thing we talked about that's on a similar wavelength in celebrating those things that make you who you are is to also seek out things that help separate you from the relationship so that your identities don't get completely tied together. Mm. And what I mean with this is that it's okay to have friends and interests and hobbies that are unique to you that don't necessarily have to involve the other person in your relationship, which is a super important realization. So for instance, when I moved to New York, everything here was centered around Andrew's life and what already existed for him. And I just kind of got looped into that structure. And that took me oh, quite a while to get used to because I didn't yeah. have my friends. I didn't have my hobbies and my interests. We were just doing things as a unit constantly. And so I started seeking out ways that I could stay connected with my friends to remember that, you know, I do have that little part of me that I was going to say lives in Raleigh, but now lives everywhere across the country. And I 
start, you know, started doing the things that were of interest to me, whether that was playing Pokemon or doing something that Not brought me Pokemon. joy. Not <laughs> it, Pokemon. It was one of those. Andrew plays his own video games, right? And so I had yeah. mine where it's like we can do our own thing, but still have that like little bit of overlap. Yeah. And when I say, you know, to seek out things that are unique for you and don't don't do everything as a unit always. I'm not saying cut your partner out of your life. That would just mm. be breakups, which we'll get into eventually. <laughs> but what I am saying is to do these things and then communicate about the joy that it brings you. So that way you can still talk to your partner about them and express how you're feeling and let them know what's going on and what is bringing you happiness. But you can still hold on to that little bit of of you that still exists mm. outside of that little overlap in the Venn diagram. Yeah, I think it's that's one of the things that I've always realized when a relationship ends is that I don't always do the best job at that. And then I start to realize like the pieces of myself that I put on the back burner. And I feel like the next really healthy relationship I will have, I won't have to do that. And that will be a testament to that growth, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's something that is that I've had to learn, even though, you know, not having the breakup to reflect on past relationship, yeah. but it's something that I had to think about was, you know, what parts of me, what what pieces of my life have I put on the back burner in order to prioritize this relationship, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Like there are there are excess parts of our lives that we can't right. cut. Right. But when it's core pieces to who we are, we shouldn't be cutting them. But honestly, I feel like it's probably harder to do when you're in a long term relationship because you don't have, like you said, that chance to really like step back and away from it. So I feel like it's it's impressive that you're able to do that while maintaining the same level of relationship with your current partner. Yeah, I think it's a lot of just the intentionality behind it. Like we were talking earlier, right? Most people who are codependent might not realize it because they don't take the time to reflect and you know try to be self-aware. So with with this in a long-term relationship where we've been living together for three years now, it's one of those things I have to be intentional about. And I really wasn't until I was in therapy and I was talking to my therapist about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, there are... <laughs> There are other parts of my life that I want to reclaim for myself. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lex, that was codependency. Now, I'm kind of thinking your topic is almost the opposite. Yeah, great segue, Lane. So let's jump into cheating. First of all, I have to ask, have you ever been cheated on? No, I don't think so. Have you ever been the one to cheat on? No. Ooh, okay. Well, that's good to know. So being on the outside of it, I'm curious to hear how would you define cheating or infidelity? This is tough because I think it looks different for different relationships. So I would say if you are in a committed relationship, and you've communicated that you are 
exclusive than anything you don't ask permission to do. I feel like could be cheating. And I'm talking yeah, like, no. yeah, not just like daily tasks or routines or anything, but like, can I say the word sexual? I don't know. <laughs> sure, you can say that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's super valid. When I was doing my research, it was hard to find one specific definition because, as you said, it really varies so much between people. And it ultimately depends on the expectations of the individuals in the relationship. So that kind of leaves it open for interpretation. But a common definition that I found is that cheating is anything that violates the boundaries of your romantic relationship and results in a breach of trust between its members. The the breach of trust, I feel like, is the biggest piece because you're doing mm -hmm. something that yeah, violates the boundaries and then, you know, I feel like you almost take a step back in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the the same website said that there are seven different types of cheating. So let's jump into those. I think that some of them are the obvious ones that we think about, right? Physical, emotional, cyber, which is really just anything that happens online outside of the boundaries that you've created. Some other interesting ones, object cheating, which is an obsession or interest outside of the relationship with an object that causes a distraction or lack of focus for a partner. So that can be Andrews. considered cheating. Yeah, Andrew has PS5. That makes sense. <laughs> Call him out. Um, we've got financial cheating, where one partner is deceitful of how much money they earn, how they earn the money, how they spend the money, or what sort of level of debt they have. There's also a term called micro-cheating, which is small actions that may not indicate a desire to stray from the relationship but does cause rifts between the partners. So a good example is like flirting when you're out together. That might be crossing some people's boundaries. It's something that seems small, but it's still outside of the, the definition of what they've set their relationship as. And then the last one is combined cheating, which is when there's more than one of the types that I previously mentioned. Now that you know these seven types of cheating, how many Americans do you think have been cheated on? I genuinely feel this is the toughest question you've ever asked me. <laughs> I want to say a million. Oh, sorry, percentage. Oh. That was not helpful at all. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have to give you a ballpark number out of the, I don't even know no, the no, population no. of the United yeah. States. Give, give me a percentage, sorry. Let's say that 10% of Americans have been cheated on. Wow. Okay. So, no. Um, <laughs> according to a 2022 study from YouGov America, 54% no. of Americans reported that they've been cheated on. You're kidding. 54%? 54. 54. But here's the really interesting part. So only 33% of Americans say that they have been one to cheat. And I don't say this only as in one third of the American population cheating is not a lot, but rather that it doesn't match that 54% statistic that we just mentioned. 
So that means that either people are not being honest when they say that they haven't cheated or we have a major case of serial cheaters in America. I feel like the serial cheaters is where my mind went whenever you brought up that the numbers didn't match because I don't want to say once a cheater, always a cheater, but I kind of feel like typically that's the energy. No, you're so right because I did a little more digging and I found that it's estimated that if someone has cheated on a partner before, they are 350% more likely to (laughs) cheat again compared to someone who has never previously cheated. And this is one of those moments where I'm like, how is someone 350% more likely to do something? Like, (laughs) mathematically, I can't say I fully understand what that means, but I will say that it sounded like an impressive statistic, so I wanted to include it. No, I'm so glad that you did, because all I'm imagining is that the sociology professor or whoever was doing this research, they finished their study, they started looking at the numbers, and they're like, yep. This one's getting published like 350 times more likely. That's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. So we got some serial cheaters up in America. Now, I do want to mention briefly that there are a bunch of reasons why people choose to cheat on a partner. Sometimes it's because they feel lonely or neglected by their partner They fear true intimacy or they have commitment issues, which Lord knows we have both dealt with. They want an ego boost or they're looking to improve their self-esteem or some folks use it as a way to avoid bringing up other points of conflict with their partner. It's just an easy way out for them. So you can sort of think of it as a a form of self-sabotage in a way. But we're talking about this today because I am convinced that I was cheated on in college. And while I don't have irrefutable evidence, which is different for me because normally I have all all the receipts of everything, I'm going to give you the rundown and I want you all to decide what you think happened. So if you listen to the episode about breakups, this is the boy who made me help him move and then broke up with me. Okay, so already a red flag there. But if you remember, he had ghosted me for days before I returned, which I think is a sign of a guilty conscience. And it happened right after he went to a concert with air quote friends and air quote. And then here's the kicker. Two weeks later, he was dating a new girl. And now maybe you can meet someone in two weeks and want to date them after just having broken up with your girlfriend of like six months. But it's not giving me good vibes. I got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I was there for it all. So I know what I feel like happened. And I think I have my hypothesis. Yeah, he had a lot of character flaws, too. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, but... You guys can decide, you listeners. Well, again, I do have my theory behind this entire story, but I'm curious, because of this, did anything uh, around cheating come up in therapy? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that one of the most challenging parts of allegedly, let me throw that in there, being cheated on, is that you, you can't help but feel like it was something you did. So afterwards, I was 
questioning what had I done wrong and what areas was I not enough. And I put a lot of the blame for the relationship ending on myself. And so in therapy, I really worked through recognizing the fact that my partner cheating on me was likely not a reflection of me or my worth, but rather a reflection of who he is and the types of things that he was looking for. And so while I wish that could have been an open communication that we had, that was his decision for sort of getting out of it. And so honestly, you know, I I personally do not want to be in a relationship with anyone who is not 100% for me. And so learning that he didn't have those same expectations or boundaries was really a kind of blessing in disguise because it taught me that he was just not the right person for me in the end. But this was not necessarily an easy road to get to. I'm sure if there are others who have experienced something similar to this, it's hard not to have feelings of anger or pain. Or sometimes there's even this feeling of like, well, now I need to start dating someone right away to prove that I can move on just as quickly and like I'm also healed. But I talked with my therapist a lot about not rushing into something else just to prove that I am okay to him or to get back at him, but to take my own time to heal and just to reset so that when I was ready, I could feel excited and prepared to enter something new, not pressured by society or an ex-boyfriend. Yeah, I love that. And I'm so proud of you for everything that you've done for yourself after all that you've been through, uh, especially after being <laughs> allegedly cheated on. <laughs> um, but I just want to reiterate for those of you out there who may have been codependent in the past or for those of you who have been cheated on. Welcome to the club. <laughs> and go to therapy. Yeah. We'll see y'all in therapy. There's so many things to talk about there. <laughs> Bye, everyone.